The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we'll talk about what the green smoke last week was all about. We know that information now. We'll also go over some of the details of all the competitions that Austin FC is going to be playing in this year, and then we'll cover a few other pieces of Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottom, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Landon, I asked you this off air, but how are you feeling today, buddy? I am quite sore, uh, and this is because of foot golf yesterday. Uh, I yeah, my the front of my right leg, every muscle on the front half of my leg hurts a whole lot, uh, and then several other weird little muscles throughout the rest of my body. <laughs> I feel I feel a little bit the same way. It was. It was a fun day. It was a windy day. Uh, and I feel like there were times when we kicked the ball and they ended up back where they started because of the wind. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the wind terrain. and then like the lack of grass on the on the uh, on the course that would the ball would just keep rolling no matter what happened. And so it would sit there for a couple of minutes and the a gust of wind would come and the ball would roll like 30 yards back to where you kicked it from. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm also a little bit sore too, definitely in my right leg. And I guess should we should we tell people how this turned out yesterday? Like how we did? Yeah, how we did. I, th- I think we have oh. to, right? I mean, not terrible. I feel like we did okay for not having ever really. I mean, that was the third time I've ever played. The second or third time you've ever played, I'm guessing. Second. Yep. And the yeah. second time Mike's ever played, I think too. Yeah, and uh, listeners, Mike Crignola of Swing Tower Soccer is actually pretty good at foot golf even though he's not really ever played soccer <laughs> that's right he's got a hammer for a leg for sure yeah i was saying i feel like there's probably like a cross section of kids who are into punk rock and people who can kick a ball really hard uh i don't really know what, what the connection is there it just seems true to me and mike and steph agreed that they think that's true too just like mosh pit veterans who are, who are yeah, used like, to being physical the type of mosh pit dancing as well requires strong quads. I like this. I like this theory. So <laughs> we did. So yeah, we did okay. Uh, I believe the winner shot what forty nine or something. Did you stick around for yeah. the award ceremony? Uh, I was still there. Yeah, that that score seems made up. Apparently, um, I was talking to someone who was playing behind them, and they were they were calling BS on the scores. So <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> but if they did shoot a forty nine, then that is very good. Um, speaking of, so this, this tournament was the proceeds were going to street soccer. Is that what the organization is called? That's correct. Okay. So this is an organization that, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, they exist in other cities already and are bringing it to Austin. But uh, I got to speak to Ashley, who's heading it up here in Austin and, uh, we're going to try to get some more information and maybe promote some of their events going forward as they as they have some other stuff going on but it's a really cool organization um if you want to look it up on your own but yeah we'll, we'll definitely be paying attention to what they're doing and keep keep our listeners up to date on uh, on what they have going on okay i'm going to ask a question that i don't necessarily know the answer to so i'm probably going to screw this up is this the same organization that Kyle martino is a part of i i was trying to figure out if it's the same or just has a similar name but i think it's the same organization and he we had that uh that game in the parking lot at circle during the 2021 season that he played in i think that right. Was like, yeah. It's like Austin Anthem and, and Los Verdes came together and played in. And so I think it's really interesting what they're trying to do, trying to bring the game to the masses. And uh, we should definitely find out more and share more. And on that note, too, because this was in conjunction with Austin Soccer Foundation, they announced their annual awards dinner is going to be on July 13th. And I believe Brad and Ashley Stuver are involved as like the oh, event nice. chairs. So that's something else that we'll probably talk about uh, between now and when that event happens. All right, well, let's jump into what is going on in Austin FC's off-season, or preseason camp, uh, rather. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to kind of run through what they have on the on the books for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, let's do that. So t- as of today, Austin FC is off on the road and on a Florida adventure. Uh, the club is going to spend six days at IMG Academy in Bradenton, which will end with a match against the Philadelphia Union on Saturday, January 21st, uh, followed by five days in Orlando, and they will play the second preseason match against FC Cincinnati on Friday, January 27th in Clearwater. So sort of our first time to get out, go to camp, have some competition against other clubs. Um, and I, we will not know, I don't think, 
what comes out of these, if I remember right, and we will not be able to watch them. I think it's been, been the experience in the past. But, you know, from the things that we've seen from preseason that we got excited about, maybe it's okay that we don't know or can't see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But yeah, it's I would guess the ones against other MLS clubs, like at the very most, maybe we'll get a score, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't even get that. And we might get a very highly curated little uh, highlight video package where we can overanalyze like Thomas Pochettino's free kicks and think that he's going to be an amazing player. Yeah, maybe like uh, all, all that stuff. If you think back to that first season, those little packages that we got were against the USL clubs oh, that true. they played against. And so be- with it, these first two being against MLS teams, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get anything, but hopefully we can get something to see who's playing. And like we I remember we'd um, we like Zapruder film broke down some of those things and I could like, OK, Cecilia Dominguez is playing at the 10. This player's on the left wing. And then in this shot, you can see and like, we did a lot <laughs> of that. So if we get anything, maybe we can take some information, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah, we'll over overanalyze it. One player that we did not know if he was going to be on the journey, but is for sure is one Rodney Redis. We had a note on Twitter, I think, from his ever-reliable agent who said... Yeah, it was a quote from... It was him on a radio show that was then posted to Twitter. Okay, who said that Olympia... I guess... I don't know if it... The interest was one way or the other. I think he said that we never present... We being his camp never presented... Rodney or Cecilio Dominguez to to Olympia. I don't know if that was the truth or it was just Olympia had no interest, but we any smoke about Rodney maybe heading out anytime soon appears to be unfounded. Yeah, he I listened to the little clip from the radio show and he tends to talk in a way that like you can interpret it any way you want and <laughs> bring whatever whatever truths he wants you to out of it, any p- p- possible truth. And then also had really terrible reception. And so every like fourth word was just dropped and wasn't in, in there anymore. So, uh, it, it almost seems like maybe he does that intentionally, but in any case, he's saying that Rodney's not going anywhere. So, um, looking at, at that, and we, we kind of talked about how many spots we have left last week, like do going into this season and, and we're going to talk about other transfers and, how congested this season is going to be. If Rodney Redes is still on this roster, do do we have the room and the money to be able to sign another winger to back up Diego? Well, I'll deal with the room part first, and I think you may have some statistics from someone else on the money part of it. But yeah, right now, Austin has 19 of the 20 senior roster spots accounted for, including Rodney Redes. So there's one spot left, uh, and I think everybody agrees that there's still a need both at center back, which is a position that Josh has specifically talked about trying to find somebody for um, and on the wing. And if Rodney sticks around, that doesn't make it tough to do just in terms of availability because I don't see any of these players on the senior roster like going out on loan or anything to free another uh, spot up. And I, there doesn't appear to be a real candidate for for a buyout either right now. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking, as you talked about the senior roster spot, looking at the money side of it, I had been thinking that we had spent a lot of allocation money this offseason and that maybe we would be running a little bit low on that. But uh, Harrison, I think we gave gave him a shout out last week for something. I can't remember what it was at this point, but uh, he was doing some allocation money math in the Los Verdes Slack, and he was adding up all GAM related transactions over this off season or things from last year that were using 2023 GAM, which is a thing you can do. And going through it all, the total that we have sent out by his math is only 225,000, which we get several million of that per year. And so I was, I think I had in my mind, like with all the trading up in the super draft with uh, with things like that, like we had spent a lot, but it was only 50K, those trades in the super draft. And then I had forgotten about Jared Stroud. We got 100K for him. Um, we had 125K in GAM from trading spots in the allocation order with various teams. And so there are like a, quite a few maneuvers where it adds up to where we have not sent out that much allocation money. So you would think that there would still be some room maybe not to sign a huge player, but to have enough to pay a senior roster player. Yeah, I think that's one of, at this point, do you think that, that this is the 
thinnest position at this point overall uh, the wing yeah i think it is because we we really only have three guys on either side who i think could or should play mls minutes uh you could argue owen wolf i i don't really want to see owen wolf seems like a band-aid to me in that position i think he's safe but he's not necessarily effective and it's not really going to ever be dangerous. And so, um, yeah, I, I feel like it is the most thin spot there and maybe center back still center back still, but you still for two spots you have, I mean, four people that are better than Roddy Redis quality at center back. Oh yeah. So I would leave it. Yeah. If that's, if that's the bar we're setting, then sure. (laughs) Um, any other thoughts on Rodney before we move on to the next player? No, I just, one thing, he's like a, I'm sure he's a super sweet guy and seems good to his parents and a real family man. And I hate that we kind of bag on him every week, but he's just not very good at soccer. So hopefully, yeah, I mean, it's, hopefully he doesn't take yeah, that personally. I would never say anything bad about the person. Like I, 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 some, a lot of people joke about it and maybe some of the jokes go a little too far at times, but I think for the most part, like this is part of the territory. Like he's a professional athlete. He's not performing um like nobody's making physical threats to him like i think for the most part it's all in good fun and in like valid frustration um but yeah it's it's not it's not a shot against him as a person it's just he's taking up valuable space on the soccer team that we all care a lot about and so we're gonna have feelings about that yeah yep so we got uh news next week the eric mystery solves i think this is something you noticed when brad stuver uh, was talking in the press conference last Monday. He said it's great to have uh, great to have Eric around. We found out who Eric was, uh, and Eric- this is the thing we gave Harrison a shout out for. Actually, oh, now that we're here, Harrison is the one who found that there is a goalkeeper named Eric Lopez who had uh, was a free agent that had been playing with. Um, was it the Galaxy Two? Galaxy Two. Teams? Yep. Galaxy Two. Yeah. And uh, apologies if uh, listeners, you can hear hammering in the background. I am literally currently having construction done on my house and so (laughs) there's loud booms and crashes in the background that will likely come through this mic so i apologize for that yeah so eric lopez joined uh austin fc2 in a one-year deal through the end of the 2023 season club option for 24 uh he began his professional career at 15 at that time became being the youngest person ever to sign a professional usl contract made 65 appearances for la galaxy 2 including 21 during the 22 season kept five clean sheets and made 68 saves in 2022. So that I guess answers the Eric mystery. It creates the, what is happening with Damian loss mystery for me? Cause like last yeah. week, our theory was that Damian loss would spend a lot of time get and get a lot of minutes as the starting goalkeeper for Austin FC two. And that does not appear to be the case now. Yeah. I mean, who knows? It, it's, it's not as clear cut anyway, that may still be true, but it's, they're not just going to give it to him. It looks like they're bringing in competition. And which I think is good. Like, uh, yeah, earn your spot if you if you want to get those minutes. But it it, it does. Yeah, we, we were thinking like, okay, what does Matt Bersano mean for for Damian Loss? But maybe that's not the player we should have been worried about when it comes to Damian Loss. Yeah, and the one thing that Damian Loss has, if he doesn't win that Austin FC two uh, keeper competition, is I assume he 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 seems to be a strong candidate to be loaned out because in addition to the senior roster being really full. The supplemental roster is also really full. So if he's going to be somebody that's on the Austin FC supplemental roster, but not getting a lot of playing time, it seems natural that he would be somebody to go out to USL or somewhere in order for Austin to be able to clear up space to bring in another player to plug in some depth. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, that that goes back to like the context of what we talked about last week, that conversation I had with Devin Kerr talking about how next pro might be a little too low of a level for some players and MLS might be a little too high for some players. So maybe Damian loss falls in that, that little Goldilocks zone where USL might be the best option for him. But that raises another question for me is like how few keepers will, is a team willing to carry because with someone like loss, if he's playing with the second team and a keeper goes down and we need to call up somebody to sit on the bench for that game, you can do that with loss, but because Lopez is signed to an Austin FC two contract, we would not be able to move him up. And so 
Uh, that raises that question for me that maybe that's not in the cards or if you move loss out, maybe you need to bring in someone else to be the third string. But um, yeah, not really sure what's going to happen there. Yeah, not at all. That's And so then the other mystery we had is we went to recording time last Monday night was there was a green smoke tweet from Anthony Precourt and we had a lot of debate over text about whether we should like push the recording back a day uh, because we didn't know who it was going to be and we didn't want to know what impact the player was going to have. And then we decided to go ahead and do last week's show at the scheduled time anyhow and just take the risk that the player that Precourt tweeted about, I mean, Smoke tweeted about, was not going to be that exciting. How do you feel about our decision to hold to to go ahead and record and not hold the show up for this one announcement? Uh, I feel okay about it. Um, I think it the player itself is not necessarily like the most exciting signing, but it opens up some pretty interesting conversations, which I think we'll get into here in a little bit after we talk about the player. But uh, did did you say the player's name yet? I haven't yet. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Adam. Lundqvist, right? Is that how you pronounce it? You th- I think so. I don't know if with its if it's a V. I feel like in like Northern European languages, the V and the W sounds are like switched, and so it may actually be Lundqvist without the V sound. But I have no idea. Anybody who has any knowledge of Swedish phonetics, let us know. <laughs> That's another thing that we don't know anything about. But Austin acquired uh, Adam in a trade with Houston Dynamo FC on Tuesday. Uh, Houston's going to get 300,000 in GAM for 2023 and 200,000 in GAM in 2024. I mean, Lukovic is a guy with a lot of um a lot of MLS time and a lot of appearances. He played joined Houston Dynamo in 2018, made 121 appearances uh in his 5 years there. And last season he started 31 matches for Houston, seemed to be one of the most dependable players uh for the club and I believe if reading the little red C's next to people's names on transfer mark means they're they captain their club. He was actually a captain for three games too, which shows he's like a leader, oh. a leader off the field as well as on the field. So he seems like the kind of guy again that Austin likes to bring in. Uh, it's just a solid dude, good player, you know, leader to kind of help uh, build this project up. So have you? What all do you know about him as a player? Yeah, before we jump into him as a player, I wanted to ask you this: What do you think about that transfer fee, or like the tr- the the amount of money we traded for him? Do you feel like that is high? Because that that seemed to be a thing I saw online that a lot of people were like, "That seems like a lot of money for this guy." I feel like just given the discussion that we just had, if it was five hundred thousand in twenty twenty three gam, I feel like that would be a little bit high. But spread out over two years, um, and knowing. That gamut goes up is going up every year as part of the CBA too, right? Is that correct? Is that correct? Yeah. So, so two hundred thousand to twenty twenty four gam is worth less than two hundred thousand in this year's gam. So I don't think it's a it's a ton for a person who's reliable and for reasons we'll get into could be a very important part of this club this year uh, and into next year too. Yeah. So looking at like you said, starting thirty one games, a guy in his prime, he's twenty eight years old. Um, yeah, like that number seems less high. I think where it does start to feel a little bit high is if you look at, uh, Aaron Herrera got traded from RSL to Montreal. That was 500 K in GAM, but it includes a sell on fee and an international roster spot and a first round super draft pick. And so if you add that stuff up, that becomes a much bigger number. But I think side by side, if you just see 500 K GAM for both of them, it seems like Lundqvist is a bad deal, but in the greater context, it, maybe it's a touch high, but not a, not a ton. I don't feel like it's a it's an insane number. Yeah, it's, the international thing is he is Swedish, but he has a green card, so he will not take an international roster slot. So we don't lose Austin doesn't lose one of those, so that's a positive too. Um, another thing before jumping into who Adam Lundqvist is, uh, the there was a different name quoted in the possibly made up quote about players when we signed them in the press release. <laughs> there was. Well, actually, there were two different names used. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that both of the press releases that we got from the club about players uh, quoted Sean Rubio in a spot where one, at least for the first team, in a spot where one would usually see a quote from Claudio Reyna. And ultimately on the website, that quote came from Josh Wolf, even though it was the exact same quote um, about yeah. Lundqvist. But... Uh, you know, it makes one think, you know, I guess uh, maybe Austin's going to stay away from using Claudio's name in a lot of things while this uh, investigation into MLS 
or you know his role with USMNT and the whole Burr Halter Reina family feud thing uh, settles itself out. Yeah, do you think this is just them being cautious for the time being, or do you think it's possible that he is already under some type of probation or something? I think it's at least them being cautious. Um, the one thing I didn't credit to Phil West on this. I didn't really think about this a ton, but you know, Anthony Precourt and Greg Berhalter were super, super close from their time in Columbus. So one would have yeah. to think that that Precourt is keeping the Burhalters in the divorce if this divorce gets ugly, right? I mean, I, I can see that being reasonable. So maybe, whereas, this t- totally taking back, I think maybe what I said last week, or last week, without the perspective, it's like, oh, everything will be fine. But sort of after talking to Phil and seeing his quotes, like Claudio may be on a little more of a hot seat than I thought he was on. Yeah, and like for, yeah, I didn't, we didn't really factor that in last week when we were talking about it, but there it's, we said it was complicated for multiple reasons. And this is even one more on top of all of that. So yeah, it's, um, it's going to be weird. Like at the very least, it's going to be weird. It could end up being like pretty serious, pretty serious implications for the national team and for Austin FC if, if more damning information comes out. But I would say like, as far as like from a fan perspective and Austin FC's roster build, like if we were to lose a sporting director, um, at least now, like the, the roster is more or less built out. And I imagine if there's any deals in the works now, it would throw a wrench in some of those, but, um, I like nobody's wishing for this to happen. I hope everything comes out and it's, um, there's nothing more serious to it, but if there is like, it's not going to be as devastating as it could have been in other circumstances right like a a way to look at it's like 2023 is basically baked i think this comes back to maybe when we had sean rubio um on in the interview last year the way that they're working ahead you know they're working a season and a half ahead or whatever so anything that yeah that happens is really going to have an effect on 2024 2025 and not and not this year so that does what it does give is austin the luxury of time a little bit to let this settle out because there's nothing this is a really solid roster. We just talked about how there's basically no senior spots left. So there's no urgency in in rushing to a conclusion and making a snap decision one way or the other. Um, Austin has the luxury of time to kind of see how this all shakes out. So getting into who Lundquist is as a player, I, I had, just from what I had seen, because we've played Houston quite a few times now, I've seen that team play was never specifically paying attention to him. But my memory was they're like, yeah, I think this guy's pretty good. And then I tried to watch some video on him and it was really hard to tell if he was good or not in the clips that I saw, because I think I picked some games where, um, it wasn't really highlighting it. And a part of it is, is because Houston doesn't use fullbacks the same as Austin does. And so Austin uses their fullbacks a lot in the buildup. They'll have that, that back line of four. And a lot of the buildup passing will be like center back to fullback, fullback to midfield, or like just between the center backs and the fullbacks, the way Houston builds up generally is they split their center backs really wide and push their fullbacks a little bit higher. And then they'll have a midfielder drop in between the center backs if necessary. So what ends up happening a lot of times is they'll play through the midfield or direct over the top to guys like Pico's not on the team anymore, but Fafa Pico was a guy they would use to spring long pretty often, or they play through the middle through Karaskia. And so oftentimes they'd either play they're using the fullbacks just like as an outlet to relieve pressure. And then they were playing the ball immediately back to a center back to kind of reset it, or they're being bypassed entirely with the ball. And so often a lot of it was just like boring positional things, which I think he's quite good at. But um, I finally did find a couple of games where he got to show off a little bit more. And so comparing him to what we have now, I think he's probably a better like natural defender than John Gallagher uh, in, in regard to his positioning, decision-making, kind of situational awareness type, type things. Seems really good at those kinds of things, which is, I mean, fair because he's actually been a defender his whole life where Gallagher is still as good as he's been. He's still kind of picking up some of this stuff. Um, I, I don't think he's a great like overlapping fullback. Uh, I don't think he's as fast as Gallagher. I don't think his crossing is spectacular. Like he'll do a good job of like putting a ball into a fairly dangerous spot in the box, but it's not that like sexy swerve on it that, that Kolmanich is able to do. Like it's a functional cross, but nothing more. Um, That being said, like Austin doesn't really use overlapping fullbacks the way that 
we played last year in that finishing shape, like near the opposition goal, the fullbacks would sit a little bit deeper, a little bit tucked inside. And we're playing almost like wide possession midfielders and less about getting like overlapping the wings and getting to the touchline and putting in crosses. That wasn't really the game. And so I don't know that him not being amazing at that is necessarily a bad thing. One thing that like, I think he will, he could fit into this system because he's very calm, seems to be really intelligent and he's super clean in passing and possession. Like he's not picking out crazy through balls. He's not, like I said, he's not whipping in amazing crosses, but he does receive a ball really cleanly turn and distributes. And I think this is a thing that when using fullbacks so heavily in the buildup, that is a valuable skill to be able to receive the ball turn and move it quickly. When you're passing the ball back and forth, they're doing it to, uh, to kind of force that, that defense to move back and forth and move them out of shape. And the faster you can move the ball, the more effective that is. And so that skill set, that skill set, is quite useful with what Josh Wolf wants out of his fullbacks. And so after seeing all that, I, I really do think Lundqvist can be really, can, can succeed in this team with the, the way that our fullbacks play and the way that Wolf has them set up. And so, I, yeah, I, I think I heard some people say like, oh, he'll definitely start over Gallagher. And my first instinct was like, I don't, I don't know that this guy's any better than Gallagher. And I still don't know what the answer is. And so I think the big question is like, who are, our starting fullbacks at this moment. Yeah, I think so. one, one of the things I wanted to ask you about him as a player, which this may have just been a statistical anomaly, but he had five assists last year, which is as many as Nick Lima had and more than any other defense, more than any other defender that Austin had. Was that just a, was that a fluke or was that? I don't the think way it's he a plays? fluke. Okay. I, I saw some of them on tape and they're not, they were not lucky ones. I do think one of his assists was, um, what is their striker's name for Ferreira? Houston striker Sebastian. Oh yeah, Ferreira. he's also Ferreira. Yes, yeah. Um, that midfield goal that he scored against us when Brad Stuver oh. hit his knee on the on the bar at the back of the goal. So Stuver, Danny Pereira plays a really poor pass back to Stuver. Stuver has to come way off his line, like almost to midfield, and instead of just kicking it up into the air, he tries to play Finley through, uh, like makes an offensive move instead of a safe move. That ball that Stuver kicked it goes right to Lundqvist and Lundqvist does really well to just stick his chest out and to kind of like punch it with his chest out into space ahead of Ferreira and Ferreira is able to turn take like one or two touches and then kick it into the goal from there so I think that's one of his assists right there <laughs> so that one might be fluky but the rest of them are but I, I don't think legit. it was though I, I mean it's it, yeah it probably shouldn't have been an assist but it was a good pass a good nonetheless <laughs> yeah so okay so I guess my uh I will still go. This this is going to touch on the thing that we're going to get into. I think at some depth after the break, but I'm still going to go with John Gallagher and Nick Lima being our day one starters for Austin FC at fullback. Yeah, I mean, I would say like probably right now, just for chemistry's sake, that that's probably the safest choice. What I really want to see in this camp, what I hope is happening right now, or like the day that that they all walked in, I want Josh Wolf to tell all the fullbacks like there are no starters right now. You so John Gallagher is right footed, could um, reasonably switch to right back. He's only played one season at left back. It's not like he's going to be so settled in that he can't do a position switch. I want him to say, whichever the two best, like whichever two of you are playing the best, those are our starters. And so if Lundqvist and Gallagher are, are doing great in camp and look really good, move Gallagher to the right, Lundqvist on the left. If Lima and Lundqvist are looking good, whoever it is, I just want there to be like full-on competition. Whoever our best guys are, are going to be the ones to get the run out. And that's a position where Josh does have some history of doing that, maybe more than anywhere else, right? Like last year, especially earlier in the year, there was kind of a Hector and Lima had a little bit of a competition. And then certainly yeah. Gallagher and Kolmanich uh, would alternate starting games. So it's a possibility. And, you know, Coleman, actually figures probably still in the mix somewhat in that if he, if he develops. Like, he took a step back last year, but uh, the potential from 2021 is that he maybe is a competitor for one of those spots too. Yeah, it should certainly be a wake-up call for Coleman that, like, there are two guys ahead of him right now as far as I'm concerned, and I, I would guess as far as Wolf is concerned. And so if he wants to, to see the field, he needs to really step it up this year. 
Yeah, well, I think let's probably go ahead and take a break. And then after this, what we're going to get into is why depth is so important this year more than any others. I think we, we teased a little bit this uh, Austin's having the longest season ever in the history of the world uh, coming up in 2023. <laughs> and what, we'll do, what we're going to do is get into that, get into the competitions, get into how many other games Austin might play, um, and maybe talk a little bit about where we do or don't have the depth and what we can expect out of the club this year. All right. Well, yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Moonshower Soccer. Moonshower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find them online at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FBF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to FBF.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FBF.law. All right, we are back. Jeremiah, we were talking about who we think are the, I guess, first two fullbacks on the depth chart. When looking at this season's schedule, the truth is it may not matter that much because uh, a lot of players are going to get minutes whether or not they're starting most games this year or not, right? Absolutely. There are, there are a lot of games to go around. And I feel like we've talked in the past about this notion of the the FIFA brain where you take your best 11 and those are the only people that ever play. And Austin had a little bit of that last year, right? But for the second half of the year, they had a yeah. pretty pretty nailed on uh, starting 11 for most of the year. But that is not going to be the case in the 2023 season, especially between the beginning of the season and around early June, or at least hopefully, if things go according to plan for Austin competitions, uh, weren't turning out that way. So we thought what we might do this week is get into a little bit of the the competitions that Austin's playing in and why depth is more important this year than it might be uh, at any point in history. So for a little context, last season, Austin played 34 league matches and one U.S. Open Cup match, plus the playoffs. This year, there's the potential for 34 league matches plus 20, I think is what we added up. But it's probably not realistic, right? Because Austin's not going to go to the finals of every competition. Um, But like 20 more matches. There are a lot of matches and a lot of minutes to go around for the club this year. Yeah, that would put them at over a game a week for an entire year, like over a game, averaging over a game a week for a 52 week year, which is insane. Yeah, like you said, it's not, it's, it's extremely unlikely they play all 54 of those, but looking at the competitions, it is going to add a lot of stress to this, this schedule. So, uh, like you said, MLS matches for sure. Uh, U.S. Open Cup, when does Open Cup start? U.S. Open Cup, uh, Austin will enter the U.S. Open Cup in the round of 32. So that's going to be um, May 9th and 10th because they finished, they were one of the eight highest uh, finishing teams in MLS in 2022. They get in the round of 32. A lot of the uh, other MLS clubs are entering the round before, so in the round of 64. But that's one one thing that Austin gets uh, out of having a better season this season is that they'll only enter in the round of 32, on which will be on May 9th to 10th. Yeah, and so you said that is potentially up to five additional matches, and realistically, could could like very easily be two or three. Like even if we don't win the competition, this team should be making it past a first round, and then at least playing a second or third round. And yeah, so we, we know it didn't happen last. year. I was going to say we say that <laughs> as you know, as having gone to San Antonio and watched that not happen last year. But yeah, realistically, Austin's a better club and a deeper club this year, and and should have more matches than Austin had last year. Yeah. Then we look at CONCACAF Champions League. That is a potential eight additional matches. So it's still maybe not clear whether or not this first round against the Haitian team Violette will actually happen. That's scheduled for March 7 and March 24th. That should be March 7 Um, and March 14. That is a typo on my part. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, And then the second round would be in April, potentially either in Panama or Mexico, uh, home and away. So, um, as far as like the workload goes, skipping that first round would be helpful for sure. But then, uh, yeah, traveling to 
other countries, whether it be Panama or Mexico midweek and then coming back and having to play league games on either side of it, that's going to be a lot, even if it's just for one or two rounds. And then going on to Leagues Cup, which is going to start on July 21st 21st and end on August 19th. I guess this one isn't – I feel like this is like the least taxing one um, as far as like the competition itself just because I guess it's only guaranteed two extra games. They'll play groups of three. We'll play a game against each of those teams, and then we'll be knockouts uh, there, and it could be up to seven matches there. Um, But the good part about this is that it will be spaced out enough, and you're not playing league games in between these. Yeah, this one, this tournament starts on July 21st and ends on August 19th, and both uh, Liga Emekis and MLS will put their seasons on hold in order for this competition to take place. So while these are, like you said, potentially up to seven extra games, it's not, they're not it, it being spaced in with, with the MLS schedule like the U.S. Open Cup and CONCACAF Champions League will be. So we know Austin will host, the, we'll start, the tournament starts on July 21st and Austin will host early. I don't think we know exactly when. Uh, it'll be a three-team group. Mazatlan will be one of them and then the other team is still to be de- determined based upon sort of a draw of non-seeded teams. But you get those two matches, and then you go into round of 32, 16, 8, 4, 2, with single-game elimination from there, with the final being on Saturday, August 19th. Yeah, so one more note on on League's Cup. Even though this may not add to like the week-to-week fatigue of the MLS season, I think that like longer season-long fatigue, this is stretching the season out to be longer than it's ever been, with more games than there have ever been. And so it, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be that week to week effect as much, but they'll be feeling it in uh, September, October, November, as we move on to the end of the season and hopefully into the playoffs. Like it's still going to be adding, adding mileage that wasn't there last year. Yeah. And I guess the uh, MLS schedule makers don't have a ton of faith in Austin because the League's Cup final is August 19th and uh, Austin plays St. Louis in St. Louis on August 20th. I'd imagine that game would be rescheduled if Austin makes the final. Oh, interesting. That's very good to know because that's one of the away matches I was thinking about maybe going to. So, um, yeah, that's that's. I think there's probably a lot of people planning on going to St. Louis. So that could throw a major wrinch in the works if Austin goes far in that tournament. If Austin goes far in that tournament. Yeah, that, that was one of ours too. That was, uh, I think, the Western Conference game outside of Dallas or Houston that Jackson and I were sure – to go to was going to be the St. Louis match because um, it's gonna it's for all the reasons right it's the kind of they're gonna have an exciting fan base supposed to be a great stadium neat city a lot of soccer history um, we were gonna I meant to look at this maybe you can drive it I don't know I don't know how far is this to St. Louis it's probably still easier to fly but uh, yeah far too far for comfort I'm guessing <laughs> too too far for comfort but yeah yeah that could really change that up if Austin makes it and that that uh, game has to be moved let's hope for that con- that conflict. Um, so looking at all these competitions against our depth chart, I think we maybe hinted at this a little bit earlier on, but like what, like where, do you think we're deep enough to do well in all of these competitions at this point? I think, do you want to look at it? Do you want to look at any particular groups? You just want to just talk about competitions overall. I'm good either way. Oh, uh, we can, I mean, we can go by like, um, like maybe position by position. So like keepers, like fine, they're, they don't have the same kind of fatigue. There is still fatigue, but it's not the right. same kind that others are. We'll probably see Bersano in some of the cup stuff. Um, so Stuver will get some rest there. Uh, center backs, this is one that I am a little bit concerned about. Vicenin, I'm, I have high hopes for him. Maybe it'll take him some time to get slotted in, but I think he's going to be really good. Cascante is what he is. He's, he's really good at some things. He's really bad at some things, but he was good enough to get us as far as we went last season. So... Um, maybe a lot of people wish we could upgrade there, but he's still better than certain alternatives. Uh, behind that, like Keller and Romagna are who we have right now. I still don't have a ton of faith for, for either of those guys to really carry this team for any significant amount of time. And so if, if there's, we're ever in a position where either of those guys are starting for multiple games this year i'm going to be nervous in every one of those games yeah both those guys seem like uh u.s open cup first first second round at austin playing kind of guys right it's it's the it's what you want to rely on and 
uh, and hopefully like with Kip getting some minutes to develop because like he has potential down the road, but I don't think you want to rely on him right now. And then, you know, Romagna kind of like um, Kulmanich has stalled out a little bit in his development over, over the last year or maybe even yeah. re- uh, regressed between what we saw late in 2021 and what we saw in 2022. So I don't have a lot of faith in him either. Yeah. Um, fullbacks. I actually feel pretty good about our fullbacks at this point with the flexibility of Gallagher to be able to play on either side. Uh, Jimenez, even though he's a little bit older with some injury stuff going on last year, he's still absolutely good enough to slot in and fill some minutes when you need him to, uh, having Lundqvist, Gallagher, Lima, that just that rotation of three plus Colmanich and Jimenez. Uh, I, I feel pretty good about this, this position group at this point. Yeah. And that's why the Lundqvist ad was so, 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 helpful because this went from a spot where I think everybody agreed we needed to add depth to maybe one of the deepest positions on the roster. Yeah. Um, moving into the midfield, this is another group that like, I don't know that we've um, improved our ceiling with this group because it is likely going to be the same three starters that started most of the games last year. But I do feel like our floor has been raised a little bit with Valencia here for another year to kind of bed into the system a bit more. Owen Wolf being uh, a year older, a year smarter, uh, a year more bedded into the system. And then uh, Sofjan Jeffall. Um, I think with that group of six kind of rotating in and out, I, I feel like the floor here is is fairly high. Yeah, I do too. And uh, Did you see the Owen Wolf uh, posing in front of the picture of Josh Wolf? <laughs> yes. At camp. It's good to, the thing that I got out of that was kind of fun and you can find it, you can find it online wherever it's like, there's like an eat like the champion poster from when Josh was playing that Owen and a couple of other guys were in front of, but it's just like seeing Owen mature enough to be involved in the day to day hijinks in training. I think like shows that, that that he's that he's growing up and become like a fully formed part of the club. Yeah, um, we already talked about wingers here, so Rigoni and Finley are the options on the right. On the left, as far as people I feel comfortable starting a game, it's pretty much just Fagundes at this point. Um, we've got Rodney Redes, like we said earlier, we've got Owen Wolf can fill in there in a pinch. Is there anybody that we're missing that like can or has played there? I guess John Gallagher is an option in a pinch as well. Uh, where do you see, what are we going to get it? And this is, he's super young, but like I, where you get CJ Fodre's minutes from? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point to bring up. And then this is like, I'm not still not entirely convinced that he's actually going to spend a lot of time on this first team. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes into camp and and tears it up and and is an option there, but I'm just not entirely sure he's going to be. So I am reluctant to, to throw him onto a depth chart even at this point, but yeah, he, again, he's played USL minutes. He's played in the best conference in college soccer as well. So he, he has played against some, sorry, I was thinking of Valentin Noel. Fodre did not play in the best conference in college soccer, um, but has played, high-level college soccer and was very good in, in at that level. So maybe, yeah, maybe he could do it. Maybe he could play some U.S. Open Cup. Who knows? Uh, I could also see him, like I said last week, maybe he ends up on a USL team for a year and then comes back after that. But um, And then striker. I actually, I mean, as far as depth goes, like workable depth, I feel good about this group. Um, I think we know what Aruti is. We don't really know what GTA is, but I think Zardes sets uh, a pretty high floor for this position group. Yeah, I think in. we don't know what his heights are going to be, but I think we know kind of at worst what we're going to get from him. For sure. I think that's probably the position that saw the biggest upgrade like on player for player basis this year, right? Is the taking Danny Houston out of the mix at the number nine and adding Jesse Zardes in the mix at number nine. Uh, yeah. I think Austin did a good job improving that group. So that group is deep enough. Too. So, I mean, it's overall a pretty strong roster. Um, a little bit depend upon who the one or two more players um, Austin adds. Honestly, the club's done a really good job over the last two years of like cutting out the dead weight. I think there's only one guy we've already talked about that at this point that isn't completely not living up to expectations. So, um, I think Claudio and, and, and the club have done a, a, a good job overall. Competition wise, so we talked about how early on there's a league. There's CONCACAF Champions League and there's US Open Cup going on all at the same time. Where are you putting your resources uh, if you're picking the first team in terms of prioritizing your best 11? Um, I think it maybe shifts as uh, as things move along. But I think early on, like you put 
as many resources towards Champions League as you think you need to. So maybe Violet, uh, the away match, if this ends up happening, maybe we play um, like a B-plus team in that game and then have the option to run out the A team at home uh, if if a disaster strikes down there. Um, but I think you can afford to be a little bit cautious with the early, like first round of CCL, first round of Open Cup. I think you can be a little bit cautious, not not rolling out an academy team by any means, but uh, being a little bit cautious and, and maybe rotating guys who had to work really hard the game before. As you get into second, third round of either of these competitions, I think you have to throw everything at it. You start sacrificing MLS games for it if you have to. So uh, we play, let's say we play Saturday, uh, MLS, Tuesday, Champions League. I say do whatever you need to do to be able to play your best team in that Champions League, Champions League game on Tuesday because in the second round, the team, the like the competition gets stiff. It's likely going to be Club León, uh, a, a big Mexican team in that second round. If if both of those, if Austin and they get through, yeah, and that's a club that you're not going to be able to. It's going to have to be the first choice eleven in order to have any kind of chance, right? Especially, especially if the away leg comes first. Um, and you right. mentioned you mentioned that so that th- that away leg would be, uh, the fourth, fifth, or sixth, and there is a Austin. LAFC match at Bank of California on the eighth, so that's one you're going to have to make a choice right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, is is that kind of how you would approach it as well, or do you have a different opinion? No, I, I that's how I would approach it too, because um, at least through that point, I mean, making the semis of CCL in the first time that Austin ever made the semi, C, made made CCL would be pretty pretty good, and I feel like people would consider that a successful run. Um, so we've seen clubs. Obviously, Seattle last year was punished for. Well, okay, about this was 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 the Concacaf Champions League run the only thing that punished Seattle, or was it the fact that they lost like one of their best players during that run a bigger factor than than the actual like fatigue of the games themselves? I think both of those things had very strong implications for their season. But yeah, being in dead last going into like the second half of the season, or like the last two thirds of the season was not helpful <laughs> at all. And then, yeah, missing one of your best, maybe the best player on that team at the time. Um, yeah, that hurt him a lot too. Yeah. So I think I would prioritize the same way. And I think U S open cup until you get deep into that tournament, maybe you don't worry too much about, um, some, maybe the quarterfinals is when you start worrying about a best 11. I guess some, it's some, it's somewhat dependent upon what's going on in the CONCACAF champions league and how many, tournaments are going on at the same time but that seems to be a lower priority um for me than either ccl or league play yeah and then leagues cup i think that one's pretty easy because there aren't league matches taking place in between i think you can roll out your best team whatever whoever's available to play play them yep i agree with that all right anything else on uh on all these competitions jeremiah no i guess we should i feel i should probably make sure that my wife understands how much time that the boy and I are going to be spending at Q2 <laughs> this year, even more than in years past. That's probably part of my takeaway for it. All right, let's jump on to some uh, some new newly released details about the Apple TV broadcast. So we now have some names attached with the on-air talent. Um, it doesn't seem... Well, I guess a notable missing name here is Adrian Healy and Mike LaHood were not included in this initial list. Uh, but has been said by Apple. And I think uh, Adrian actually said, like responded to someone on Twitter saying like, don't, don't overreact. This isn't the, the entire list yet, but uh, there is still, there's still space for guys like Adrian and Mike to get added to this team. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, when it originally came out, I think uh, maybe on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, MLS the posted like these, this list of talent. And it was, it was two pages worth of, of headshots, right? Of people. And it made it seem like, wow, that's, They've rolled out almost all of the names that people are going to be calling broadcasts. But when you look at it, a lot of them are studio analysts, um, studio hosts, and fewer match analysts or play-by-play analysts. And then of the play-by-play names announced, some of them are, what is it? I think three of them are English, one of them is Spanish, and one of them is French. So really, at the end of the day, like not a giant percentage of the the crews have been announced. And there is still more to come with... Well, uh, put two weeks to go before this product launches and five weeks to go before the season starts. Yeah. So with, they're going to need a lot more than three play by play 
people. Uh, so yeah, I last time I spoke to Adrian, he still seemed optimistic. This was a while back, so I don't know. But the fact that he's responding to people on Twitter, um, yeah, you, you'd think that looks good. I was also... I, I talked to someone about this, but it this again several months ago. It looked like if Adrian were to join the Apple deal, he would potentially still be able to live in Austin and, and maybe even still do some work for the club. So that would be as, as an Austin fan, that would be fantastic for us. But um, yeah, it's it's still up in the air, but there is still hope, and I, I hope he uh, he ends up on that team. Yeah, and I agree, and I, I did want to make that point uh, for sure. Is that this is not necessarily an either or deal, and Adrian was calling games for ESPN and others even while he's working in Austin. So it's entirely possible that he'll be part of the Apple crew and he'll still be doing the some of the pre-match show stuff and some of the, the the hype videos during the week and things like that for Austin too. Are there any of these names, any of these analysts, maybe ex-players or whatever that you're like super excited to see? Uh, I actually, involved? there's a couple of random... So I really like uh, Marcelo Balboa. Uh, he's going to be doing Spanish language, so I may not end up seeing him as much, but he was doing... He was uh, did Spanish... MLS calls for uh, Univision, and I really like him on air, so I'm glad to see him there. Um, randomly, I've seen quite a few Minnesota broadcasts, and Kendra de St. Aubin is on the analyst list. I always really liked her uh, her commentary in games. It's one of those people like the you, you want your play by play to tell you what's going on in the game, and then you want the analyst to like kind of give you that second layer and kind of break down what's really going on. Something that like maybe the layman isn't seeing, or if you're not familiar with this team, you might not catch. And she always did a really great job of that in the in the broadcast that I saw. So I'm excited to see her name on there. I really like Maurice Adu in the stuff that he did for Fox, and I think he did some of the like the CBS Paramount stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I like him as a as an analyst as well. So there's there's lots of names on here that I like. There's some that I don't recognize, and I'm interested to see uh, who they are that I'm not, just not super familiar with. But uh, I think maybe one of the bigger names on here is Taylor Twelman, and I <laughs> know it's like kind of a divisive one. I, I'm I'm not a huge Taylor Twelman fan personally, but I think it's a net positive that he is involved with this. He is as far as just like recognizable names in American soccer. Like Taylor, Taylor is one of those guys. And I think it gives credibility to it to, to be able to pull him away from ESPN to be a part of this broadcast team. Yeah. I think he's one of the people that, that you, that you have involved to give credibility. I mean, and he's, whether you like him or hate him, I don't feel like he says controversial things just to be controversial. Right. I mean, I think, no, like yeah, I don't, I don't think he's problematic necessarily. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he's smart. I do think he's a, a smart guy and sees stuff like at, at a level that a lot of people don't. I think he's just like a little bit obnoxious on air sometimes, but, um, yeah, I, I think overall this is, this is a good thing for the league and for this broadcast deal. Yeah. And I, I'm interested in seeing Jillian Sakovitz cause I don't know her other than like being an online personality. Like I've not seen her, you know, do, pregame matches and stuff but like she seems like oh she's, she's be fun she, she's good on tv I'm, i was happy to see her on there as well she's she's gonna be more like presenter role right right she's gonna pregame studio host is what she's gonna be okay she'll be great at that she's gonna do a great job and then i think you know player wise these like the uh recently retired sasha cleston bradley Hart phillips and diego valeri all maybe could be interesting mm-hmm. or maybe not they're all, I mean, like Bradley Wright Phillips is a character. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't seen him on camera much, but he is definitely a character. I feel like um, Question will, will do well. He seems to be like a pretty pretty thoughtful guy. Um, and then I guess we'll talk a little bit about maybe the details or lack thereof just, uh, you know, overall in terms of this deal. Like we mentioned, MLS season pass is projected to launch on February 1st. I think folks have gotten nervous and it's relatively complicated you know and pretty close to the season for this not to be up don garber said at media days and i don't didn't see a ton of covers out of media days other than a couple athletic articles but um that everything is on target i don't know that you would expect don garber to say anything else um and then i think the other parts of that well i don't know did you did you see pablo mauer's sort of stuff on what they were expecting out of every team i thought that was pretty interesting yeah so it does it really seems like they are going to expect a lot out of the clubs. So the clubs, the league is, is responsible for creating a lot of this content that is going to go into this Apple package. And what Pablo Mauer reported is this document is, is going to put a lot of expectations on the clubs. 
looking through the things that that Pablo Mauer is reporting is going to be expected of the clubs. Austin FC is already doing almost all of them, if not all of them to a T. And so I think Austin FC is going to be able to continue exactly what they're doing business as usual and have no problem. But that is absolutely not going to be the case for every team in this league. Yeah, so I think that you're right. It'll be it'll be an advantage for the teams that are doing it right, and even the things that Austin isn't necessarily doing, like they're doing something similar, right? That could be repurposed to that. So, yeah, I'd say like what specific content before during the season, including rituals. So I think they've done a good job of covering fan stuff. Austin's covered that, you know, team traditions, big games, you know, regular. Austin obviously, obviously cranks out a lot of regular content. So I think it'll be exciting, and it's a chance for this team to shine. And hopefully, I don't know how to be position but hopefully it's a chance for austin to build a broader fan base other than just in this area because we know that this team will be delivering compelling content in a way that other clubs may not be able to do maybe this is where you pick up the mls fan who's a casual mls fan or the apple viewer who's giving mls a chance is by the great content that austin creates in terms of telling stories yeah and like as this content is not just being pushed out by Austin FC, but by the league and by Apple. Um, yeah, I, I think this is where you see like, okay, there's now randomly this kid in Ecuador who is an Austin FC fan now for no real reason, but because they had the coolest media stuff on the Apple, on the Apple platform or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it makes it makes a difference for sure. And I think as players look at it, as fans look at it, as any of this, like Austin FC is going to stand out in this first year, especially um, as far as like the rest of the broadcast and kind of production quality. I think there's people um, like rightfully questioning whether or not MLS is ready for this or not. And I think Adrian Healy, last time we had him on the show kind of hinted at the fact that like, the product you get in February of 23 is probably not going to be the same as what you get in February of 24. And so do we think this is going to be kind of like a slow rollout to start off with and that the beginning of it may not be so different from what we saw last year? Yeah, I think that's very likely, especially given given where, where we are. And I think people have to build these, whatever these assets are over time. So um, for sure, there's a fallback to status quo. And it, hopefully... MLS will be able to prioritize like the things that people are going to see the most to make sure those are the best produced, right? The I don't know what the schedule looks like for opening week for the matches that are available for free to Apple Plus subscribers, but hopefully MLS puts the most resources in those um, because those are the people that you need to pick up that are the more casual fan, you know, and somebody, people like us are going to give the league a little more leeway in terms of like, I'm not going to stop watching because I get an average production in the first match I see. Yeah, and I think at the very least, like the level of, um, on-air talent is going to be on average higher than what we had last year. I know there's some really talented people who didn't make this cut or may not make this cut. Uh, but overall, I think the the level of on-air talent is going to be higher across the board. It's going to be consistent across the board. And so just having that consistency is going to be something because MLS broadcasts were anything but consistent ever. Like, Anytime until now, they were not consistent. And so some of them were very bad. Some of them were okay. Some of them were pretty good. They're all going to be the same, and it'll be kind of a, an actual brand, like an actual like actual connections between it all, and it'll start to actually paint more of a unified picture than what we've ever seen. Yeah, f- fewer minor league baseball announcers who need something else to do during exactly. the breaks in between baseball games. Uh, all right, anything else, Jeremiah? No, I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Well, before we wrap up, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, come find us on Twitter. Our handles are linked in the show notes. You can find us at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, sign up for the Patreon. We are working on some some cool stuff. I'm as excited we about the, the new background. stuff that we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So we we do have the the merch wheels rolling at this point as far as what the 2023 Patreon rewards are going to look like. And then uh, check out the Striker website. Get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there? Well, we did not. T- we talked a little bit about numbers last week. Uh, Phil West took a deep dive into five questions answered with the Austin FC squad number of this release. So if you're a 
number nerd. Be sure and check out Phil's article uh, and try to read into it what all those numbers might mean. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god. <laughs>